relational challenges, with financial pressures. You could have a boss or a teacher or someone that's over you that's kind of, you know, you feel they're Satan's spawn. They're not actually, but you feel like, like, like they're perhaps a close relative and they just make life really, really hard for you. You, you, you have all of these contributing factors that actually land up affecting your ability to keep focused on the target. And what I want to encourage you with is that, again, just like we said last week, what we believe will determine who we become. I want to encourage you. It's very simple this week. All I want to get across to you is that if we have clarity on who God wants us to become, it'll help us to know what we want to get done. And I know that we all want to get to the done part. We all want to know, okay, how do we, how do we get better, stronger, healthier, happier, wealthier maybe, whatever the case is. Okay, tell me, tell me what habits to put into place. Tell me what, what disciplines. Tell me how to, tell me the science. Tell me what to do so that I can just get it done. But the problem is you can get it done and yet you haven't become who God wants you to become. We can get, in fact, I would argue that we often, get very distracted with what we do as opposed to who it is that God's wanting us to become. I remember a few years ago, very sadly, some of you might know the situation more closely, um, but there was a guy many years ago who uh, was massive. Like he was really big, uh, obviously did, did a, lot of, a lot of weight training. Um, I, I can only imagine he was on serious steroids because he was massive. Um, I think he was about 25 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So his goal was obviously to get big, but at 25, he dropped dead because even though he was big on the outside, he was really unhealthy on the inside. What he was doing was affecting who he was being, and it resulted in death. And I'm saying that sometimes we can get so distracted with, with what we need to do. I need to provide a living. I need to provide for my family that we, can, that we can stop being the father or the mother that God wants us to be. We can be so busy doing what needs to get done for the family that, that I can fail to be the husband that God wants me to be. I can get so distracted with the, with the goal of, of, of hitting the mark at work or school and, 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 and the success and, and the career without realizing that God's always got a why behind the what. And when we lose our why, Michael Hyatt says, when we lose our why, we lose our way. If we, if we don't keep our why in front of us, if we don't keep very clear in front of us the target, what it is, what it is that we're actually trying to move towards, we can lose our way. And, and I do want to encourage you, by the way, I want to make this abundantly clear. When I talk about who God wants us to become, I'm not just talking about the one day. I'm not just talking about about the final destination, because obviously God is wanting us to become more and more mature, more and more healthy, strong, etc., holistically. Um, but in the meantime, God cares about who you are today. So, so I can be who God wants me to be today while becoming who God wants me to be in the future. So, so the encouraging news is that you don't have to get so distracted with the future only that you're given to discouragement today. I'm saying that it's very similar to these multi-stage races. If you've ever seen these, 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 these sort of four-by-four races that are done, you know, like the Dakar and these things that, that are done over, over stages and, and multiple days, the Tour de France, or you even get these adventure sort of marathon races where, where guys, you know, are, are, are running for days and then staying, you know, they're sleeping at night, etc. Um, 
you have to tackle each stage. Like if you're in the Tour de France, one day you might be doing a time trial where you change your bike, you change your helmet, you, 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 your focus is different. But then the next day you're climbing in the Alps and you have to change your strategy again. You have to be married to the mission, not the method. So, so you have to know constantly what the target is, but also you're aiming at something every day, not just the end goal, although there is an end goal. So the good news is that, is that God knows who it is that he wants us to be today, and he also knows who it is that he wants us to become over time. And if we lose track of that, if we lose, if we lose the why behind the what, I even think of people over the years that have gotten really um, invested and passionate about exercise, which is fantastic. So, so that's a great do. That's a great win. But, but if the do is not connected to the who, I've seen more than one person land up leaving their spouses, having affairs, going off because, because they've gotten so invested into this hobby or into the sport that, that it started off with, a, with, with, with just getting healthy or getting fit, but, but, in the, but they kind of lost their why. They lost the, the who, where, where I want to land up. And they land up in a place that if you'd asked them before, they clearly didn't want to land up. They, the trajectory of their life got messed up because they lost view of the target. They lost who it was that God was wanting them to become, and so they actually got distracted with what it was that they were doing. God always cares about who before do. What is it that you're giving your energy to, your life to, your, your attention to? Is there a clear who behind the do? Or is it, or is it just a do? Is it, just a, is it just a distraction? Is it just something that is temporary? God cares about who it is that we are becoming. I think so often with uh, series like this or, or even topics like we're addressing today, it's, it's so tempting to want to go down any number of different roads in terms of the possibilities of who God wants us to become. And there are a lot. And I'm going to give you a recommendation um, in a few moments as to a tool that can maybe help you with that. But for just the, the remaining few minutes, I want to take a look very quickly at, at some direction that Jesus gave us in, from a holistic point of view in terms of who he wants us to become. In fact, it's so important, it's so critical that we put it up on our wall. This is kind of like our key verse for the wall. Uh, we want you to grow healthy and strong and fruitful. We want your habits to be habits that, that are contributing towards who God is trying to, to, to cause us to become. And Jesus kind of summarized it very simply, very clearly, where he said all, like it's, it all comes down to loving God, loving people, and actually loving yourself, taking care of yourself in a healthy way. Loving God, loving people, and taking care of yourself. When, when a, a teacher, so it's a kind of like, like a religious uh, expert, came and asked Jesus about all of the commandments and asked him, uh, you know, what's the most important? He was looking for Jesus. In fact, in many cases, I think, I think the, the Old Testament, um, uh, the, the followers of Judaism saw all of the commandments, the 600 and something commandments in the Old Testament, all about do. What do I have to do? Tell me what to do. How must I eat? When must I rest? How do I treat people? And it was all about do, 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 do. Jesus actually summarized it very simply saying, this is who God wants you to be. 
So, so if you get this right, if you will love God, well, then that's going to affect how you treat people. And you won't be able to help, but you're actually going to love people. And if you have a healthy relationship with God and growing your identity and security, well, then you're not going to be living with unhealthy boundaries and unhealthy limits because, because you're, going to be, you're going to be healthy enough to say yes to the right things, no to the wrong things, because you are in a health, because of who you are. So let's take a look quickly, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. It's one verse. That's, that's all I'm giving you today is a single focused verse. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, the part that I think we're, we perhaps fail at the most easily is probably the last little word that I should have made bigger, which is the loving of yourself. I think, I, think, I think for a lot of us, we get the love God part. And it's like, I suppose it means I've got to love people. And for many of us that have been trying to follow Jesus for a long time, it, it, the lines can become so blurred to where we don't even know what it means to look after ourselves, to have healthy limits, healthy boundaries, to where, to where we know when we have to give and we give hard and we stretch and we sacrifice, but we also know when God's saying, hey, I've given you a gift of rest. I've given you a gift of of rhythms. You're doing this by grace. That's why Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 has Jesus inviting his followers to come to him and to find rest, to find rest for their souls because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, that was like a quick little rap stutter. Um, His yoke is easy, his burden is light. In fact, he says, the yoke, my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. I think that there are a lot of tired Christians who are trying to love God and trying to love people, but we're taking on a burden that God didn't give us, and so we're getting burnt out because the, the burden that we're carrying is heavy, and Jesus is saying, that's not the burden I gave you. I've called you to love people. I've called you to love God. But the way that you do it long term, I'm not saying that, I mean, of course there are days and seasons where we push and stretch, but if your season's been going on for seven years and you are miserable in following God, I'm telling you that that's an alarm bell, something's horribly wrong, because his yoke ultimately, relatively speaking, is actually easy. His burden is light. And so I want to just just take a look at those three categories of loving God, loving people, loving ourselves. And normally I would want to try and give you some, some explanation from, my, from my, my own personal understanding, my own examples, my own life. I want to do it a little bit differently today. And I'm actually, I'm going to just share with you quickly the example of um, an executive. This is a real story. This is a guy, a business executive. Um, it's a story told at the end of this book called Sacred Rhythms. Don't let the cover... Uh, I don't know, discourage you. I know it looks very meditative, but it's a really, really encouraging, helpful, practical book. Um, and, so the, and so the author, Ruth Haley Barton, is giving some examples at the end of the book about how, how to try and establish a rule of life, which is another way of saying a life plan, which is another way of saying what are your goals and what are your ways to go about trying to achieve them? What habits are going to help you achieve the goals of who God wants you to be, and so she gives her own example, and then she gives the example of a very busy business executive who, who has to kind of deal with the tensions of, of trying to live out the life that God has called him to. So I'm going to read the first part just under the category of becoming someone who loves God. 
Um, and just to quote him, he says, I've struggled to practice a coherent life of the Spirit in the midst of the intense workday pressure of casting vision, leading meetings, making budgets, handling personnel problems, and so on. I love times of quiet retreat, but they are not, but they are not my real world. Consequently, I've chosen to develop a rule of life that gives me some reference points for living a more spiritual life in the warp and woof of my job as well. Some aspects of this rule are tangible external disciplines, like having a daily devotional time, so that's a habit, but others are internal disciplines of the heart and mind that are becoming more a part of my lived out life. My rule is a spiritual reminder of my calling and he's based on the great commandments. Now, I'm going to put up um, just some of the stuff that he's written. You're welcome to take photos of these and take a look at it again a bit later on. But the first category that, that, that he kind of puts us under, and I've never seen anyone put it quite like this. When I read it last year, it impacted me quite deeply. The first sort of heading for him is cultivating and ordering the affections of the heart. Because we want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So ordering the affections of the heart. And he gives some examples. Having a quiet heart that is not distraught with internal regrets nor frenzied by external circumstances. That, that's, quite a, that's, quite a, that's quite a reference point. And hey, how am I actually loving God with my heart? Where, where, am I managing to experience a quiet heart? Having a circumcised heart that is cut free from having to be right and is free from attachments to sports, food, recognition from others. And obviously he's not saying that those things are, are bad. He's saying if, they, if I become too attached to them, if they become too central. I love the way he describes the next two hearts, having a burning heart that is focused on pleasing God. Isn't that a great picture? And I never would have chosen this word, so that's why I like using this example. Having a dancing heart that serves others with joy and gladness. Aren't those some great reference points? Just, just some good examples of, of ways for me to, because I think so often we just simplify down to, well, am I going to church? Am I reading the Bible? I mean, I prayed before supper, didn't I? You know, and, and we kind of have this very narrow, f- I, love, I love that we can actually unpack this and flesh this out a little bit more in terms of our heart, our soul, our mind, etc. So nurturing the inclinations of my soul. Next, he says, are things like having a daily quiet time. That's a discipline. That's a habit for Bible reading and prayer. Having a weekly Sabbath for corporate worship and rest and praying through my rule of life. I cannot tell you how significant I think the idea of a weekly rhythm is where you have where you enjoy the gift of rest that God has given us. You'll hear more about that in the future, definitely. Being part of a Christian community in my local church. So he's not saying that's my local church. He's saying because the the reality is you can come to a local church and not actually experience community. So actually prioritizing and committing to a Christian community. That could be through a life group or through a team, but where you're actually building relationships and taking quarterly retreats for more extended reflection and recalibration of my rule of life. And, and your first thought might be, well, that's great. I can't afford to go away every three months or I can't find the time. I'm saying, I think that everybody, like something's horribly wrong. If you can't find a gap, even if it's a day, part of a day, eight hours of a day, once every three months to just go and sit in the forest somewhere or sit at the beach somewhere or take a picnic somewhere and where you just create space to just retreat, reflect, recalibrate. How else do we love God with all our heart and all our soul? Then he goes on to strengthening the disciplines and illumination of my mind. In his case, he gives examples of pursuing a humble mind that honors unity over victory. 
you know <laughs> that you are loving God and allowing God to do something in your life when you care about relationship more than just being right. And it doesn't mean that you can't have conflict or address it, but your goal is not just to prove yourself right. Your goal is actually unity. It's, it's people. It's, it's relationship. Desiring a renewed mind that resists conformity to the world for the sake of spiritual transformation. Developing a prepared mind for understanding and living my faith. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to have a prepared mind. The Bible tells us to be ready in season and out of season to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. The challenge is that for many of us Christians, our hope is in the same place as many people that are not in a relationship with Jesus. So to actually be thoughtful, prepared, God, wait, wait, why? Wait, my hope is in is in something way more secure than the economy, than the political landscape, than the government, than my, than my level of education, than my current bank balance. God, I have a hope that will never let me. Anyway, as to be prepared. And then the habits under practicing strength, I'll come back to under the topic of loving myself. So that's just some examples of a guy who's saying, okay, how do I know if I'm loving God? Secondly, become someone who loves people. He gives some examples of trying to have reference points for loving my neighbor as myself, being friendly with neighbors, being compassionate to those in need, seeking justice and mercy in the world. And I think that a lot of us have far more opportunity, just even in our world, in in our spheres of influence, to be involved with justice and mercy in the way that we treat people, in the way that we work with others, in the way that we show dignity to people that we interact with, not to mention actual causes and ministries and projects. Being an agent of reconciliation, making all things new rather than all new things. And being a person of engagement and not avoidance. We're not loving people when we avoid the truth, when we avoid having some of the tough conversations. Again, I'm not talking about going in and fighting and it's dog eat dog and you're ripping hair out. And I'm saying, no, 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 where we are willing to, 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 to stay put. We don't run away. We don't bury it. We, we're willing to actually have healthy but tough conversations. So loving God, loving people. And third, how do we become someone who loves ourselves? And I think that, that there is appropriate self-care. There, there is appropriate uh, slowing down to be with Jesus where we recognize limits and boundaries where, where, where we know that God, that God wants us to be a part of the world and to work and to, and to make a difference. And just a quick reminder that work existed in the Bible before sin. Adam and Eve were, were tending to the garden. Sin has just messed up work. But work's not meant to be a swear word. Work's not meant to be a bad thing. There's, there's something good about carrying responsibility and, and, and doing something. But, but God has also given us appropriate limits in terms of our personality, our capacity, how much rest we need physically, emotionally, etc., etc. So this guy, uh, as some examples of, of practicing habits of his strength, refers to things like daily stewardship, where he maintains a minimum of seven hours of sleep a night, a 30-minute quiet time resting in assurance of God's love. It's not just ticking a box. Vigorous exercise three times a week. So how do we love God with our strength? Well, we look after our bodies. Healthy diet. No evening television without my wife. 
That might sound strange to some people, but, 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 but these are healthy reference points and boundaries for a guy like this. Stewardship of gifts of study, reading in areas, in this guy's case, of history and culture. Stewardship of vocational calling. Because again, your work is part of your worship. So if you're a student right now, how you study is part of how you love God and how you love people and how you love yourself. If you're working or if you're raising a family, how you do those things, it's a part of your worship. So, so we are called to be good stewards, to be diligent, to be faithful, to, to increase, to multiply those gifts. Being involved and attentive to others, listening, learning, and loving them. Investing in others, taking time to teach and touch others with grace. Inspiring others with vision, encouragement, and empowerment. And then he just simply concludes by saying that I do not obey my rule as with an arbitrary checklist, but I do allow it to shape my daily life through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I've got these, I've got these reference points, I've got these principles, but obviously they're all subject to God's promptings. And so I want to encourage you. Imagine this year, if you can actually develop a life plan, a rule of life, whatever you want to call it, where you know what the goals are in different areas of your life that all reflect who you are becoming and then what God wants you to get done. So, we, so, we, so your rule of life, your plan, they actually fit into how am I loving God? How am I loving people? How am I taking care of the only life that God has given me? So just by, by way of some extra reading, we mentioned this book last week, um, Living Forward by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. Um, it is a very easy read. You can even listen to it if you want to download it from, from Audible. Um, but it just gives some great reference points. And then there's, a, there's an assessment that you can do online. It's a free assessment. It's very quick. It's, it's, it's not complex. It's not going to answer every question you have. You can literally just type in life score assessment and Michael Hyatt, you know, just Google that, and then it will take you to this assessment. What it will help you do is maybe recognize um, an area that, that is needing attention or areas, but it will also help you to prioritize because it's going to give you a score. So on relationships, your, your personal self-care, your, your intimacy with God, etc. And then what it will do is help you to actually also prioritize what is it that God wants us to do. Because this is your homework, if you so choose. Uh, what is that Mission Impossible line? This is your mission. If you choose to accept it, please God, help everyone here to accept it. Your, your, your goal, your homework this week, please, is to simply ask yourself the question, what one who goal do you want to aim at this year? And what key do habit will help you to hit that target? What who goal do you want to aim at this year? What key do habit will help you to hit that target? And we'll talk more about the habits next week. So next week we're getting into the practical stuff, um, a lot of how-tos. But unless we have the right why, the right what, unless we know what it is that we're aiming at, we could just land up. We can... Do you know how often we can just abuse God? We use the wisdom of Scripture to build our own kingdom. We can use the principles of sowing and reaping to build a life that's great and totally separated from God. So, so I'm saying I want the why to really matter. So let me give you an example just of my own personal life, some, some stuff that I'm, that I'm is a working document for me. So I'm writing this stuff down and constantly trying to tweak it that I can, that I can get as much clarity as possible in terms of who I believe God wants me to be. Passionately following God, gratefully stewarding my life, Sue's best friend, a great dad, 
and a devoted pastor. You ask me, who do I think God wants me to be? And I mean, amongst other things as well, there are obviously other relationships, but I honestly believe that these are just some of the key things that God wants me to be, and then I can start looking at what do I need to do in order to help strengthen who it is that I want to be, that I believe God wants me to be. Passionately following God, I consistently connect with God, enjoying, trusting, and obeying Him. I never get over the outrageous grace of His gospel. I don't ever want to get used to God. As of this month, I've been doing full-time ministry for 23 years. I don't ever want it to just become a job. I don't ever want it to just be like, that's nice. I want to be a grateful steward of my life. I want to, be, I want to, I want to nurture gratitude towards everything that God has entrusted to me. I appreciate the one life that God has given me, physically, spiritually, relationally, intellectually, vocationally, etc., and steward it well through godly rhythms, and the gift of rest. I want to be Sue's best friend, giving her focus, personal attention every day. And that could be for five or ten minutes a day. It doesn't These don't have to be these massive, outrageous uh, goals. In fact, next week we're going to talk about how much more important it is to actually uh, commit to consistency and quantity of the smaller habits than waiting for these perfect qualitative habits that so often actually land up Never happening. So giving her focused personal attention every day, constantly praying for her, encouraging, understanding, serving, and listening to her. I want to be a great dad to our girls, always looking for excuses to laugh together, to speak life into them, praying for them daily, regularly looking out for opportunities to create memories. I don't think we should wait for memories to be made. I think if you're a parent, you should be looking for opportunities to create memories with your family. And as a devoted pastor, I am overwhelmed that God would use me I'm committed to praying, learning, and loving as I lead the people that God calls me to serve. My who goal will determine my do habit. My who goal will determine my do habit. So all I'm asking you to do is to give God some space to actually help you just to clarify in your own words. And and again, allow this to be a working document. Don't wait until it's perfect. Um, you, you may use a journal or you may use a, 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 your phone and, and, and some kind of um, document that you can keep adjusting, but just keep working on something that you can actually write down as to who it is right now that you can imagine in your words. That you, can, that you, you don't have to publish this in your own words. God, who do you want me to be? And would you please give me insight? So, so help me to even prioritize the one part of the who. Because again, you could have 15 different who's. No, okay, God, help me to prioritize the one part And what is the do habit that is going to help to actually develop into the person that you want me to become, remembering that God gives us the will and the power to do what pleases Him. Remember last week we spoke about the fact that we just that we need to believe that it is possible. Let's not believe the lie that I've tried many times. It's, it's pointless trying again. No, no. We need to believe that change is possible. I'm not a victim. I don't have to stay the way I am. I'm not a tree. I can move. I need to believe that God promises results. So one way or another, whatever I sow, I'm going to reap. And we need to believe that if we persevere, it will make a difference. Small habits plus consistency plus time equals huge results. Agreed? Father, I pray that you would help us in Jesus' name uh, never to give in to discouragement, never to, never to 
allow ourselves to be crushed under the weight of I've done that, I've been there, I've tried that, is never going to change. But God, that we would keep rebuking those lies with the truths of your word that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you knew us before we were formed in our mother's wombs, that you have a plan and a purpose for every single life, that you care about who we are now and who you want us to be in the future. God, that we don't have to only live in the future, we can actually allow you to keep stirring and inspiring and encouraging us with who you want us to be today. God, thank you so much that you're not wanting us to be perfect today. You're wanting us to be just that little bit more mature today there's an area where you want us to to allow you to influence us in some way or another where we are growing in our love for you, for people, and for ourselves. God, help us. Help us to recognize that. Help us to identify and prioritize that area that you're wanting us to give extra attention to. And would you please give us the wisdom and the insight to know what, what one small consistent habit we can put into place in order to be who it is that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I wanna encourage you just before we, we, we let you go. As you would have seen with Diwa's semi-drunken attack of the, of the target there, uh, aren't you encouraged that you get to take another shot? That you don't just get one shot? Because the first shot missed the whole door. I mean, it went up onto the wall. Quite a few of them did, in fact. Aren't you grateful that God actually gives you another shot and another shot and another shot? I want to I encourage you as you go into your week, it doesn't matter how many shots you've taken. If you, if you will be humble, if you will turn to God, ask God to do what only He can do, I want to encourage you that you've got more shots. You've got more shots at the target. Don't, don't give up. Don't, it doesn't matter how many times you fail. Come on, we know this in sports. If you watch soccer, like, like you don't give up because they missed the first goal, right? In fact, you're actually expecting them to score very few goals, especially depending on the team that you support. You, you, you keep supporting them and waiting for, for the ball to hit the back of the net, even if it's once. I'm saying don't give up with God. Guys, seriously, we can, we can put God into such a bad box sometimes. God is giving you chance after chance. He gives grace to the humble. The only time God starts to move away from us is when we become proud. That's it. What, what pushes God away? Pride. Full stop. A lot of people think that failure pushes God away. I want to argue that that's not the case. The Bible is, in fact, almost every story is a story of failure. God runs to the repentant. He gives grace to the humble. The only thing that actually pushes God away is pride. When you're saying, God, you can't help me. You can't do this. Only I can do it by myself. And I'm giving up on you, God. I'm going to do it my own way. That's the only time that we walk away from God. God gives grace to the humble. There's still plenty of shots left at the target. Don't give up.